0: Yo, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the first ever Winners Collective 8020 Series podcast. In this podcast, we want to break down the underdog story basically, the trials and tribulations that build up a character, build up a person into
1: the person that they are today. Yep, that's exactly what it is. And with the 8020 Series, we pretty much just want to introduce different people to come on let us know how they got to where they are today and the struggles and obstacles that it took to get there.
0: So before we even bring on other people, I think it makes sense to just kind of introduce ourselves. We're going to be your hosts. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Daniel. And let's just get started with Daniel. Bro, I'm just going to interview you right now. Sure, right? sure, sure, so, Let's do this. I mean, Daniel's been a really good friend of mine. And as far as careers and aspirations goes. I, I've seen him go from full-time to his own business to now kind of multiple business. And to be honest, Daniel, I, d- I don't really know what exactly it is that you do in a day, but let's start from education. So you finished high school.
1: I did. I finished high school. I went to uh, high school out here in mission Viejo, actually, uh, Capistrano Valley, shout out to the Cougars. <laughs> but uh, yeah, pretty much went to high school there. And then after I graduated from high school, I went to UCI. So pretty close, uh, not too far of a drive. And uh, at UCI, I studied business economics. And, mm. you know, I did that mainly because, you know, when you join, high, when you join college, sorry, uh, you don't really know what you want to do. And for me, at least I knew I wanted to do business. And so I just figured business econ, let's do it. So, when you picked
0: business, was your college education like kind of what you imagined it to be in terms of business? Because now you're doing business.
1: Yeah. So (laughs) short answer, no, man. Like (laughs) I started for business econ and of course, you know, there's a pre-requirements and you require courses. And so I was doing things like earth system science. I was doing things like drama. Uh, I did intro to gangs and all that stuff so uh, to answer your question not really at all uh, I really wish I mean this is a common theme amongst a lot of people these days that college really taught you more um, relevant courses things that you could use after you graduate but um, for the most part man I, I'm I hate to say it but a lot of the classes I, I took it hasn't really carried on to today
0: oh man that's that's really rough to hear but I mean appreciate the honesty too you've finished college and then I believe you got a full-time job at Broadcom? Uh, uh, I did, but... Or what was there anything in between that?
1: Or Yeah, so I actually started off with the internship there. And okay. so I was in the sales operations department. And uh, I interned there for, man, I don't even remember, like at least a year. Uh-huh. And uh, obviously, while I was interning there, my goal was to have it transition into a full-time. But unfortunately, they didn't have any openings at that time. And so... I was kind of in this like weird panic mode situation where it was about one month before graduation. I didn't have a full-time job secured while everybody around me, they were interviewing or they were, you know, just accepting their offers. And so I really had to kick it up uh, in gear. Like I I really did because I didn't know what I was going to do if uh, Broadcom didn't offer me a full-time. So uh, there was a time period for two weeks where I literally focused on trying to network and get a job pretty much. And so what I mean by that is, I would literally send emails to people at the company in in high positions and just say, Hey, is there any way I could uh, come through, meet you for breakfast, meet you for a quick 10 minute chat, 30 minute chat, and just pick your brain a little bit. And the point of this conversation was not to ask for a job, you know, like, let me be clear with that. Uh, The point of the conversation was more so to talk to somebody who has been at Broadcom, and just pick their brains and see, you know, if I could get some career advice or just advice in general about someone in my position. And so I did that for about two weeks, and i surprised to say, like, I did meet some pretty high-level executives, um, and we did talk, and it was mainly just listening on my end about their story. And uh, it was really cool because although that wasn't what got me a job, it was me putting myself out of my comfort zone and doing that, that allowed me to kind of bounce from one person to another. And finally, like out of nowhere, one of the managers was actually like, hey, give me your resume. I'll see what I can do. And so that same day I went to my office, I sent him my resume and pretty much, you know, long story short, my resume got passed around and then there was a position opening for me and I interviewed for it and I was lucky enough to get the job. Dude, that's actually
0: insane. Like, I had no idea. Like, from from an outsider standpoint, like when I saw you do your career stuff, it literally just looked like you transitioned into a full time job. Like, it looked like the whole four years of college, and then right after that, boom, job. Like, I had no idea you went through this whole like networking, interviewing, or not even interviewing, like just casual conversation. Like, there was no intent behind that.
1: Right, right. And I'm glad you brought that up because. I mean, that's, again, that's a whole social media thing, right? It's like you see social media, people only kind of give you the highlights, uh, but behind the highlights, you know, there's a lot of things that go, that happen, you know, behind the scene. And so, yeah, to answer your question, it it was crazy, bro. Like, I was not, you know, set in terms of my job at that moment, even though I might have acted like it or it seemed like it, I was actually in this panic mode where I was like, man, I have one month left. What the heck am I going to do? Do I even have a job like I just I'm about to graduate from UCI like I need to make some money, you know, I got to pay off my loans and everything. So it was definitely an interesting time. You know, I think the struggles definitely helped in the process. And when you have struggles like that, too, it kind of pushes you to get out of your comfort zone. Oh,
0: yeah, 100 percent. I would even step out and say I feel like it's those challenges and those struggles that really push you to, like, accomplish what you, for example, just stated. Like, right. Like, um, I know when I kind of started out too, it was literally, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to believe in this whole social media thing. So my college story is after I finished college, like I was actually during UCI, I was, (laughs) I was on academic probation at my freshman year. Ooh,
1: Jeremy, (laughs) Mr. Party Man over here.
0: (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) No, that's the worst part. I wasn't even partying. Uh I was just dumb. (laughs)
1: I got no, no comment for that one. <laughs> but like,
0: like I literally listened to everyone's advice and I would like study for, um, like, two hours for every hour of lecture. You know, I would just set that as a timer. I would set aside all this time and really focus on studying. I would not go to parties. I like, you know me, I don't even drink alcohol at right, all. Right. I don't do any of that stuff. I have like, I can put on my, on one hand, like I literally have gone to two parties in all four years of college. That's crazy, bro. Yeah. I wish I could say the same, man, <laughs> <laughs> but that, yeah. So back to that story, like, because I didn't go out a lot and, I, that was my GPA. I knew I had to do something different. And being who I am, I understand that I'm, I'm more of like a, a physical person. Like if right. you give me like a physical task, I'll learn it a lot faster. But through like text and reading, I'm not that type of learner. Right. And over like the next four years, I was trying to figure out like, how do I efficiently learn? And the funniest thing was I actually just stopped going to class mm-hmm. and I would spend time learning at my own pace okay. because I kind of just acknowledged like, yeah, I'm dumb. Or I would now say slower at learning instead of trying to keep up with a professor in lecture when it was right. time for lecture, I would just learn on my own. And that made a world of a difference. And it's, it would be crazy because in the sciences, it's kind of like a cult where everyone knows each other and we all kind of like bond over like yeah. midterms and finals. Yeah, Like people be like, dude, I haven't seen you in class at all. And like the only time I would go to class would be for midterms or finals or like pop quizzes or whatever and some people would be shocked they'd be like whoa you're in my lecture or you were here this (laughs) whole time like i haven't seen you all year but because of that and because of like understanding what like how i operate i think that made the biggest difference into like actually developing like my habits and like what I choose and how I choose to spend time. And right by the end of the year, I know this was kind of a sidetrack story, but by the end of the year, I was able to pull a, a 4.0 all year long. Wow. Yeah. It, absolutely crazy. I, like I was actually like the top two person. I was tied for the highest score in like my practicum for public health. Right. I, I didn't even realize that too. That's when, crazy. Yeah. When they when the professor was like, "Yeah, we have two people that went above and beyond, and this was their score." I, <laughs> I was like, "Dude, what?" asshole did that and when I got my paper, I was like, "Holy fuck, it's yeah!" Me. <laughs> that,
1: That's crazy. Yeah.
0: So it wasn't necessarily that you were dumb. You know, it's it just was, it was more so acknowledging right what type of learner I am and understanding. Exactly who I am and how I operate. And I think that's a big thing for other people too, because when you go down a certain path, you know that there's certain levels of success out there and everyone has already listed like this pathway of how to do it. And you kind of feel like you're almost like obliged to follow it. Right. But then when you take a step back and you kind of Listen to yourself and see how you operate and stuff, and you, you realize like some of this stuff out there is not necessarily for you, right? And like on that same note, like after I graduated college and I worked my butt off to bring my GPA up, I graduated with a 3.1. Okay, so that in my mind was like, okay, I'm re- I, if I want to, I can go into med school, and I, on that same note. I was actually doing infectious diseases, like okay. as a researcher. I was I published a publication with like my professor. You can Google it right now and just Google Jeremy. Sorry, gluten intolerance. Like we had this paper out. Like that's pretty cool as an undergrad yeah, to be able yeah, to do that for sure. For sure. So I was like, dude, we got a paper. The GPA is up. Like if I wanted to, I can really study and probably apply for med school. Mm-hmm. And at the very end of that, my uh, supervisor in infectious diseases literally asked me. She was like jeremy do you like what do you want to do do you want to save people and make a difference in the world or do you want to make money that was like yeah that, that was like a hard question But I just right. like that was like that that silence we just had like yeah i, just I was really, thinking
1: of, i was like you know it take a moment to process that i was like
0: you know like my parents would probably say the first option they would want me to do that <laughs> and then for me i was like you know I'm just really interested in, in just making money in business and doing all that stuff. So I told her and she was like, if you want to make money, you need to hang around millionaires. And if you want to actually go around and save the world and make a difference, you need to hang around scientists like me. And I think that was like the most awakening conversation I've had with my supervisor. And it was probably life changing because being honest with myself, it allowed me to just completely change the trajectory of what I wanted to do in terms of a career. Mm-hmm. And on that note, after college, I kind of just dropped everything. Like I literally abandoned my degree, uh the chance to go to med school, and right. I literally abandoned all that for this thing that we now call social media. Nice. And it's kind of crazy because back then it was like, what, 2011? No one would have ever, no, no, 2015, 2015, 2015. 2015. I was going to say, bro, we're not that yeah, old, man. we're not man. that old. <laughs> Cat's out of the bag. Yeah. But no, no, 2015, it's like back at that time, like social media is was not what it is today. So right. most people would be like, dude, are you sure? And that was like a huge leap of faith of me, like really believing in what I was doing and seeing right. this whole thing as a medium. And that's kind of how... I got to my career today. But
1: right. back to your career. Well, sorry, before that I, I kinda wanted to hone in on that because yeah. I think that's a super interesting part of your life, at least for me as a yeah, yeah. outside perspective. Because obviously I knew you at UCI. Uh-huh. And, you know, towards graduation, you know, you were kind of known as like the social media guy for <laughs> for a certain point. Yeah. You know, I mean that that could be a good thing or a bad thing, bro. I, I don't know. But that's just what you were known known as, you right. know. And I remember just watching you because I think it was the bodybuilding.com spokes model that kind of, correct me if I'm wrong, but kind of gave you that, um, you know, gave you that push into the social media route mm-hmm. and kind of gave you that momentum. Mm-hmm. And I remember just watching your journey because it was crazy, bro. It was crazy to see how, you know looking at follower count going from like 500 to a thousand to 10,000 to 20,000. And it was just like, wow, dude, Jeremy is really doing it. And and you're right. At that time, social media was still you know up and coming and you really had to put yourself out there to right. get to that level. And that's one thing you know personally that I saw and I was like, damn, that's hella inspiring because that was something that you committed to. And to this day, you're still committed to it. Mm-hmm. Right. So I just wanted to talk to you more about that in a sense, like when was it that you kind of knew you wanted to do the social media route? Like, was it a specific event or was it, you know, that conversation you said or something else?
0: Yeah. You know, I, I didn't backtracking a lot. I didn't even want to do social media in the first place it was mm-hmm. funny it's it was nadia who now is my, my <laughs> wife shout
1: out nadia yeah
0: she encouraged me to this hop on social media and at that time we had this account called fitness power couple and she would actually run the whole page post everything and just like take random bts of like me cooking and stuff and i was like oh this is kind of fun so then on my account i would basically replicate that same exact thing and mm-hmm. then now i was just producing the content on my own and i think the most important thing out of all of that was I was just having fun with it. Right. And when that whole bodybuilding.com spokesmodel search started at that point in time, I still wasn't using social media to like its best capacity, mm-hmm. but I saw it as like this little tool where I could document my p- progress for fitness. And I would just like take these selfies in the gym and stuff. Right. And I, I would have never thought like that would actually go on to inspire people mm-hmm. to do x y and z thereafter it's like we literally have a sign in the gym's
1: bathroom now at the arc (laughs) that says no selfies allowed yeah i saw that last (laughs) week bro (laughs) it's still there (laughs) but that's crazy yeah no because social media is such a huge part of your life and you know i could say for me i'm not a big fan of social media you know i Mm -hmm. know i have to do it because of the businesses but there's a lot of uh you know, mental obstacles that come from apps like that, and just a lot of things to think about. And so when I see you do it, it is inspiring in that sense, too, where it's like, man, it takes a lot of uh, thick skin dedication to pursue a career through the social media outlets. And so uh, that that's why I was so interested in hearing your story right now.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, by the end of the day, if I had to like really sum it all together, I think the thing that really moved me was it was just fun. It was fun to like one flex my creative muscles and Mm -hmm. actually share content. Like I went from sharing just simple selfies to like workout tips and tricks. And then now just like full on like tutorials and stuff. And it was the coolest thing to see like one, people actually liking it. two People actually like commenting, asking for like the next thing. And then three, like, it somehow flipped into a business where now not only do these posts like generate like this positive feedback loop for me, but it also started generating an income. And like right. I would have never in my life at that time, like imagine this could become like a business right. or anything. And now it's literally like my bread and butter. It's like the full-time income that's allowed me
1: to be where I am today. Like absolutely wild. Right, right. And I think it's important to also highlight, right, that, working out in fitness is a huge passion of yours, you know, because I feel like you definitely need that in order to pursue a career or a job in a specific field. Mm -hmm. And so can you elaborate more on that? Like, what is it that you love so much about the field you're in? You know, is it the sports? Is it, you know, the fitness aspect of it? Can you elaborate on that? Yeah.
0: So I think I started, I would, well, actually let me backtrack too and just say, I feel like over time as you learn new diff, new skills, new traits, and all that stuff, you fall in love with one thing and then you start falling in love with other practices later down the line too. So for me, it started with fitness and weightlifting, and then over time actually it became more so creativity. Right. Like I, I think a lot of people don't realize this, but I love, love, love. Production like I like cameras. I like lights like if you're looking you guys can't see this right now But in the studio, there's literally all these lights around and that light behind me is literally the same light They use in movie sets and I knew I just wanted it because it made the perfect soft light and Like the mics were on right now This is literally like one of the highest grade mics possible like the audio setup I'm a huge nerd when it comes to audio or not even just audio but like production mm-hmm. altogether. so For me, it was more so like at first I started falling in love with fitness and I shared all of that. And then as I started producing content for fitness, I started falling in love with the creative aspect and the production Mm -hmm. side of that. And I think that's what's really carrying me forward today. Like I think it's really cool to be able to just find new ways to share that same piece of content. Right. Because sometimes it almost feels like fitness is the same thing over and over, which If you're following a routine, it kind of is. You're repeating Mm -hmm. the same motions, but that's how you get better at it. Right. But now for me, with the creative aspect in mind, it's like, how do I share the same piece of content in a better way that can actually benefit people? Right. And I think in present day, we just have so many different tools that allows us to actually do that. And I still have barely scratched the surface on All of that stuff. and By the end of the day, it's just really, really fun for me.
1: Right, right. So it seems like you definitely have like this problem-solving attitude where, you know, you just like to figure out new ways to innovate and, you know, bust out new types of content. And I feel like that's another reason why you're doing so well in social media, you know, because... I do look at your Instagram and it's changed a lot over the past five years. Oh, you yeah. know, and, and I think that's absolutely necessary because, you know, they say, what, what is it? Adapt or die, right? It's yeah. like, as things are changing, you need to adapt as well with it in order for your business to survive or your career to survive. Mm-hmm. And I, I do feel like you do that really, really well. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, it's,
0: <laughs> I, I, I find it also fun to do that stuff. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it's depressing. Sometimes it's really challenging because it's like you're working to adapt and then all of a sudden like you think you're making the right move and you put all the effort into it and then it's a flop and it's just like dude what am I doing with my life I don't know anymore (laughs) but yeah Yeah. it's it's really fun and then when you like hit it on the nail and everything is like a thousand percent like increase every in every direction It's freaking amazing and you get this like high and it's like yeah i'm confident i know what i'm doing yeah yeah. I
1: mean, <laughs> trial and error right and but then as soon yeah. as you get the solution you know things just start to click so that's always a good good area to be in yeah
0: so i mean speaking of things like clicking i know you're at broadcom And then at that point in time, this is when you kind of started Winner's Collective. And I remember actually visiting you during work on a lunch break for you, I think it was. And you were showing me like mock-ups and tech packs of the like Winner's Collective, like first collection ever. And for those of you guys who don't know, a tech pack is actually, you want to clarify what that is?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I I guess taking it one step back. uh, So I was at Broadcom, but I didn't start Winners Collective immediately when I started, you know, so I did get this job. And then, you know, as a new grad, everybody's super motivated, they're super amped, they want to do really well at their job. So as soon as I started, I went 110% into my job position, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, at that time, the position I got, it was not entry level, Mm -hmm. but it was more of a experience position, And, you know, that's a good and bad thing, right? It's the good thing is that, oh, shoot, you know, you start a position, not entry level, like everybody else, you start at uh, a more advanced position. But the negative of that is Broadcom is a engineering company. It's a semiconductor company. And imagine me just out of college, entering my division. And I don't know what Thing about engineering, bro. <laughs> like I don't know anything, man. I did business econ, bro. So when they were talking to me about chips, semiconductor, I was like, man, Ruffles, like you know, flaming hot Cheetos, bro. I, I had no idea, right. but luckily, you know, I had a mentor who I met in my division. It was really crazy. I just randomly started talking to him the first day I got hired, and it turns out that this guy went to my high school, Capo Valley, and what? so exa- yeah, it was so crazy, bro. And so through that mutual, you know, mutual situation or mutual occurrence, we became closer. And he was the one who really guided me in that position. And so I really do appreciate him. His name's George. Um, but pretty much, you know, as a new grad, I jumped right into the industry. And it was hard, man. Like, like I said, during meetings, they were talking about technology that I knew nothing about. And it's not like I could just hop on Google and search, what is a semiconductor? Like I yeah. did that and it opened up one page, which led to another page and to another page. And I was like, opening <laughs> up a Pandora's box, bro. Yeah. And I just got even more confused. And so I was just so discouraged at first, but I was like, man, I need to get this. I need to figure this out because this is gonna be my job. And so I did spend a lot of time at my job. Like I would go in on the weekends too, and I would study and that's all I would do. Because, you know, as a new grad, you're kind of in this fresh moment where you just want to prove yourself and do the best that you can. Right. But, you know, I'm not going to lie, bro. It, it was really hard. And even doing, after doing all that, I still felt like I didn't know anything. Because you're talking about people who studied this all of college yeah. and even grad school. Yeah. You know, and so... I knew that it was going to come with time and even though I was like frustrated at myself, I just knew regardless, I just have to do the best I can. And so I was working as a product marketing engineer, but it was more business operations. So it was more like, um, figuring out the supply chain, the logistics, uh, meeting delivery times, meeting customer demands and talking to international factories. Mm-hmm. And so that was the bulk of my job. But to answer your question, um, winners collective was started about a year into my corporate job mm-hmm. uh, prior to that like yeah i did have the idea of i want to do clothing because i want to do clothing since i was in high school bro i i really did um but i just knew i needed to save up some money first and really have a plan before jumping straight into it mm-hmm. and so that's where the one year period really came into play gotcha yeah. okay i see so pretty much A year into it, I did start Winners Collective on the side and it was a slow process. I'm not going to lie because if you're not fully committed to one thing, it's going to take longer because now you have half your mind onto your corporate job Mm -hmm. and the other half onto a new entrepreneur venture. Yep. And so for me, all of the times I worked on Winners Collective was either when I was at home after a workday or it was on the weekend. And so everything from starting a business to registering a company with the state of California, I did that just through trial and error and research, just like you, you know, it's a different industry, but it's the same hustle, right? Yeah. You just have to keep researching and learning. And that's kind of like how it started. Right, right. And in terms of tech pack, I know you mentioned it before. So a tech pack is pretty much just a design file that somebody shares, a designer shares, a company shares with the factory, and that's what they use to manufacture clothing and pieces.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I mentioned that because your pieces are not just like blanks where you silkscreen and print it on a logo or something like they're actually sewn and stitched to a certain way where like now you're entering fashion. Like you're not just doing general apparel. Like this is actually like the T-shirt I'm wearing right now is an original piece. Like I have not seen any other brand make anything like this. Right. And it, I thought it was really cool to see you, like, really start that up. And in for me, like, I wanted to do merch as well. Or it started with merch, but I wanted to get into, like, apparel that led into fashion. And right. I was only open to, like, silk screen printing and clothes. And like you said earlier, too, it was because I had my hands so deep with, like, my online coaching business. Right. Like, learning how to do fabrics and all of that stuff was a whole nother venture that I would have to just drop everything for, to actually be able to focus on it. So for you, how did you know it was the right time to jump from Broadcom
1: and go all in on Winners Collective? Or did you go all in on Winners Collective? So it definitely took some time. Mm -hmm. So prior to that, I mean, you're right. I did want to start Winners Collective as, uh, they call it a cut and sew brand. Mm -hmm. And so what that means is it's different from just buying blanks here and printing on it cut and sew, you actually have to design, it's exactly what it sounds like, you know, you design a custom cut and sewn piece. And so in order to do that, you know, you have to be able to design the specific piece you want. You have to measure the length of different areas of that piece so that you can make it based off of a custom measurement. And so this in particular works really well for fitted pieces or for joggers that are more tapered, etc. And pretty much I didn't really know how to design I, I at all. Really? Like, I had zero idea, bro. I don't even think I'm good at drawing, bro. Like, <laughs> I can't even draw, like, a circle. I mean, I guess that's kind of hard. But, I mean, I just... I'm not good, bro. I never consider myself artistic. It's just, for me, I just knew what type of clothing i liked mm-hmm. and a lot of the brands at the time when i was in college i didn't really like because it was too flashy and there's just too much logo on it mm-hmm. and so that's where the idea of winners collective really came into fruition you know i wanted to make a minimalistic brand but i wanted to make it cut and sew so that people knew that there was a special level of thought that went into creating the pieces
0: gotcha yo that's actually crazy because right now if you guys don't know but i'm Part owner of Winners Collective, and my part is more so like the social media and the promotion side of that. But me and Daniel will always go back and forth on pieces, and he'll send me a tech pack of like a new piece, and then he'll go over the details and everything. And then I'm over here just like, Yeah, can we change this? Can we make that like (laughs) bigger? Can we do it like this? And it's so for me, it's so easy to say that, but. Like, I thought, like, you knew how to draw
1: and, like, do those designs. I had no idea. Like, you had, n- you had no idea. Yeah, bro. I had no idea, man. And it's funny because I tell this to some of my close friends. Uh, when I first started, I uh, got Adobe Illustrator. Okay. Right. And, dude, I-, I need to show you guys the first piece I tried to design, bro. It was a T-shirt, and the lines were so crooked, bro. It didn't even look like a T-shirt. And I think I just gave up like after working on it for a week and I was like, screw it. I'm just going to draw it on a piece of paper and then go from there. But, you know, it just takes a lot of time, effort and practice, right? Uh Like it's been what, two and a half, three years now. And like my tech packs aren't amazing. I mean, there's people out there who went to FITM design school and their tech packs are probably a lot better than mine. Mm -hmm. But for me, I found a system that works. And as long as my tech packs get the job done, and convey what I needed to convey, that's all that really matters for when I work with the manufacturers overseas who I partnered with. Mm -hmm. But yeah, man, it took a while, bro. It took a lot of YouTube uh, courses. It took a lot of asking and bugging my designer friends. And (laughs) I mean, it's funny, bro, because you could see the progression if I were to show you like different tech packs from like early on to the ones today Uh and you know but again that just comes with time you know it just comes with how much effort you put into learning something right and even right now I wouldn't even say like I'm amazing at it you know there's still a lot more that I could learn and when I'm designing stuff like when you text me like oh Daniel change this it's like shoot I gotta practice so I'll do it you know I gotta switch up different things you know change the tag put in different places and things like that so
0: yeah yeah Yeah, that's Absolutely wild, dude. Like, if I like to paint you guys a picture, like, he's making this piece from scratch. So, when you're communicating with like a factory, or imagine you are the factory and Daniel's trying to tell you, Hey, make this shirt. Like he literally has to put enough information on this piece of paper. So you know exactly what you're going to be making. Cause otherwise we're just going to be disappointed at the end when you like come up with this product. And it's just like, that's not what we were talking about. Like, so that's, it just goes to show like, dude, Daniel's pretty on point for being self-taught.
1: No, 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 bro, bro. But like I had to interrupt because, you know, obviously during that time, I had a lot of failures, bro. I, I spent money, like, going through Alibaba trying to get pieces done, and then I got it. And I was like, bro, is this supposed to be joggers or shorts? And it was like, I can laugh about it now, you know, because yeah. I can look back and say, oh, my God, I remember that time. But when I was in the moment, bro, it was so stressful because imagine, like, dude with limited amount of money dropping, like, $1,200 on samples, Oof, waiting, yeah. like, two months for it. And then it finally arrives at your house. You open up the box. The colors are all off. The fit is all off. Like you ask for a fitted shirt and it comes out boxy. And you ask for like a pair of shorts that you wear and it looks like spandex, bro. It was just, it was so bad. And, you know, looking at, looking back at it now, it's like, I feel like that was necessary because yeah. if that didn't happen, I would have never made the decision to say, fuck it. I'm going to fly to China myself, I'm going to visit the Guangzhou factories, I'm going to visit the Guangzhou marketplace, and I'm going to do it because I can't trust somebody else to do it for me. Dang. So, I mean, this, I feel like we're going on a tangent, you know, maybe we can do like another podcast later on, like, you know, starting the brand and, and what happened, but that's like, what, I'm, what my point is, is that, you know, things like that happen, and in the moment, you might think like, damn, this really sucks. But if it weren't for that moment, I would have probably never pushed myself again out of my comfort zone to try something different.
0: Yeah. I mean, just how you're describing that, I think that's the 20 factor, like for lack of a better term, I think we're going to call it that. We're going to call it the 20 factor Mm -hmm. where you just have like this innate desire to do something and there's no external force like motivating you at all either. It's like you just want to get it done and you have a vision in a certain way to do it and I think in your case like that was a
1: definitely clear case of the 20 factor right right yeah I like that the 20 factor it's crazy because it's hard to explain you know it's like when you pick up a sport or a hobby or a business there's just something in the back of your mind that tells you like you just have to keep going and you have to keep doing it you can't give up And I think the 20 factor is a perfect term to describe that because everybody has that. You know, I have it, you have it. When I look at you and your story, I know you have it because I see it, right? And I just think it's so important to highlight on that. And I'm so glad that this podcast can be a gateway for that because I'm interested in hearing everybody else's 20 factor. Because for me, yes, you know, the 20 factor can come from... My own pride or motivation, intrinsic motivation, that kind of pushes me to try to learn or figure something out, mm-hmm. right? But for you in fitness or content creation, you have something, some twenty factor that is pushing you every day to say, you know what, I'm going to innovate, I'm going to adapt, so I can become the best Jeremy Shry fitness coach, online coach, person that I can be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I'm so happy, bro. Like when you brought this up, like let's do a podcast and we decide on the eighty twenty series. It's like, bro this is going to be clutch because now we have a platform to really not only talk about our 20 factor, but, you know, poke into the brains of other people and hear their 20 factor as well.
0: Yeah. I, I really just want to hear how it spans across multiple minds. Like